Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Mike Parker with Huff Realty in Florence, Kentucky. Last year, he closed 97 transactions with a total sales volume of $14 million. His average sales price was $142,000, of which 56% were buyers and 44% were sellers. He operates a team with nine members, five team agents, one operations manager, one virtual assistant, one courier, and one team leader. Mike Parker is the team leader of the Mike Parker team. He's been an agent for 28 years. In his best year, Mike and his team sold 181 homes. In his career, Mike sold over 2,300 homes by himself and over 3,000 homes with his team. In this call, Mike talks about why getting burned in an electrical explosion and sitting in a burn unit for 57 days was the best thing that ever happened to him. How he generates over 75% of his business by repeating referrals from his past clients and sphere of influence. Why he uses the term team agent instead of buyer agent. How to get back up after getting knocked down. How to recover from a painful divorce. How to stay proactive and beat depression. A simple way to track trends in the general economy that may affect your local real estate market. A simple daily habit that will result in 48 closings per year. His 25th annual Santa Claus event that results in a 10 to 1 ROI. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Mike. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on today. I deeply appreciate it. Hey, Mike. It's great to have you here. Mike, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Two things. I've lived a couple of different lives. I um, grew up on a farm, and I was a farm boy, and it was a pretty good jock. And... Um, we didn't have football at our school, but we had basketball and baseball, which I was very good at. And in our neck of the woods, softball was very large. And uh, I ended up playing softball for 19 years at a pretty high level. And we uh, actually played in 38 states. I played with a lot of traveling teams. We won quite a few state tournaments, national tournaments. And, um, you know, from that, uh, I worked at a power plant uh, for uh, approximately six years. And... Um, during that time, I got hurt in an industrial accident back in May 1st of 84. Uh, uh, a piece of equipment blew up in front of me. I had a 4160 breaker blow, and I spent 57 days in a burn unit and two years in a rehab. And believe it or not, that's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, it got me out of the power plant, and in a roundabout way, got me into real estate. So, Wow, two years of recovery. What brought you out of that, and, and why did you decide to go into real estate? 
that's kind of the funny thing. Jeff Smith is a good friend of mine, and I played a lot of softball with over the years before I, I got into real estate and after. Um, Jeff um, played golf a couple of days a week. He played softball three nights a week. You know, he traveled on the weekends with us and everything. And I'm going, you know what? This guy's got a good life. You know, he, he really does. Well, what I didn't, t- didn't know at the time getting into the business, he had been in the business over 10 years, and already had built up his you know, past clients and his sphere of influence and everything, and he had a lot of business coming to him already. And when I got into it, you know, that first year and a half, I was like, wait a minute, what, what, how come Jeff's getting all this business and I'm not getting any business? And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was an eye-opening experience. Um, 1988 uh, was the first year I went to NAR, uh, National Association of Realtor Conference, uh, in the, the November conference. And I have been to every one except for a uh, year before last. I missed uh, one. I missed 2012 because I was on the operating table uh, getting my back fused when um, that was going on. But um, I've been to 24 out of the last 25 years. And uh, that was really the beginning of me to grow. Um, back in 1988, if you did it, there was very few people. I mean, very few people doing 100 units. And I remember seeing Phil Herman and Steve Westmark and Ralph Roberts and uh, Alan Dom all up on a panel there. Uh, Bill Barrett was doing the panel. And uh, that's where I met Brenton. Uh, that's where I met Bill Barrett. I met Pat Zabie at that conference. And uh, it was a life-changing experience. And uh, what I did was I started doing my education outside the area. I'm in a very conservative market where agents don't do training. Still to this day, they don't do training. And I will do 15 to 20 days a year around the country. I'll go learn what somebody else is doing, and I'll bring it back. Uh, I was the first one to use a brochure box here. I was the first one with a personal assistant, first one with a website. But I learned it somewhere else, brought it back to, into play, and it's helped keep me on the cutting edge. Mike, how long have you been in real estate? How many years has it been? 28. 28 years, um, and uh, I'll be starting 29 here in the next month or so. How many homes did you sell last year? Um, last year, we did 97. Um, you, in the opening there, you talked about a nine-member team. Um, that's all brand new. Um, I've had some health issues, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Ray Straub and myself, we did um, 95% of that 97 units. Um, we lost Ray this year. Uh, Ray moved to Florida. His wife got an unbelievable job in Florida, and they took that and took a position, and he's now selling real estate in Boca Raton and quite happy. He's doing quite well. It was his um, second year in the business, uh, he did 39 closings uh, with us. And we were very proud of that. I'm very proud of Ray, and still are proud of Ray. Um, with my health issues, um, being a former jock, um, I um, my bones are, are breaking and everything like that. Uh, in 2012, I had a right knee replaced, a left hip replaced, a back fused, and then the hip got recalled. And um, you know, the four out of the last five years, I've missed three months or more just because of medical issues. Um, I'm hoping now that we're starting to see the light and those things are gone. Uh, but I just came out two weeks ago. I had a, um, somehow, I'm not sure how I did it, but I um, ruptured my patella tendon. And I had knee surgery uh, two weeks ago this past Monday. And I was actually pre-op, doc, pre-op meeting with my doc, uh, uh, post-op, excuse me, post-op 
with my doc yesterday. Knock on wood, everything's going good. I'm out on my brace and got the staples out and everything's going. But, um, you know, 95% of those 97 units was two people. Uh, starting last August, we started recruiting. Um, I could tell that I'm not going to be able to do the amount of business I've done in the past, especially with buyers, uh, with my legs the way they are. So we are in the process of hiring uh, people. I have brought four people on. Um, actually, excuse me, I've brought uh, five people on. Four out of five are newbies, uh, less than a year's experience in the business, and two of them brand spanking new. Um, so it's been entertaining. Um, been fun. It's been a lot of fun, but entertaining. Uh, Mel, you'll hear me talk about Mel. Melanie Sullivan, she's my right hand. She's been with me 17 years. Uh, Jill Coogley has been with me 11 years. Jill worked full-time in the office, went home to have kids, and lives home on a family farm now. Um, and she works as a VA. Uh, she's an independent contractor. And we, she works about 30 hours a week, and she does all our Internet marketing. Uh, Mills, my right hand in the office here. Um, she's been with me 17 years. I'm going on 18, starting October. And, um, you know, she is my right hand. She's sometimes my right hand, left hand. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we've, we're we're happy where we are. We're 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 growing. Uh, we're 94 units closed year to date. Um, we figure we just put a go from September 1st to December 31st to 60 closed units. Uh, personal opinion, that's low. Uh, I'm shooting more for my personal idea. I'm shooting for 75. I've got a, a personal goal to list 36 residential uh, single families during that time. Um, you know, it's um, real estate's a numbers game, but with the young ones we've got here, and they're all different ages, they're anywhere from the youngest is probably 30, 31, the oldest is probably 72, but um, we do real estate the right way, and, you know, we have a servant mentality, and I'm a firm believer if a person doesn't have a servant mentality in this business, um, they're not going to last. Uh, you've got to have a servant mentality in real estate to, to last. Now, I've seen quite a few agents come into business and be flash in the pan last three, four years, and then gone. Uh, but the ones who last, uh, the ones who do well, have that servant mentality. How many homes did you sell in your best year? Best year was 181. Uh, that would have been 2005. Um, I'm a, you'll kind of get to know me. I'm a little bit of a numbers person. Uh, 2005, our board is a, uh, back then was about 1,200 agents. Today, it's about 800. Um, in 2005, we closed 6,200 uh, residential units in the Board of Realtors. Um, that covers seven counties. Uh, I am located in northern Kentucky, which is straight across the river from Cincinnati. Uh, the Cincinnati Airport is inside northern Kentucky. Um, we are... Um, I did that year. I closed 181 units, with 144 of them um, being just me. Um, I had a builder that I was representing at that time, and we closed. Uh, I believe it was 32 units, over 300,000. We were building. Uh, we were rocking and a rolling. I mean, um, I learned a few lessons over the years. You learn a lot of lessons, actually. But uh, you know, I never paid close attention to you know numbers and what, what you're grossing and things like that. I mean, I had a bookkeeper and everything, but I really didn't pay. And it cost me that year. Um, 
I, when I say pennies, I truly mean we were pennies short of grossing a million dollars that year. I mean, it was at the end of the year, that was like January 4th or 5th, I'm looking at numbers, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, we were pennies <laughs> short. And I was like, I'm going back to, you sure that we don't have a check that didn't, we haven't cashed yet or something <laughs> like it? You know, and it's just, you know, so, but, um, you know, that, um, that happened, but I mean, it's, you know, you learn. I mean, I've, um, you know, I've learned from different other agents that I mastermind with, you know, you meet with a bookkeeper once a week and, you know, like Alan Dom, Alan, for the people who don't know who Alan Dom is, he's probably been out of the last 20 years, 15 of those years, the top agent in the United States. He only works in downtown Philadelphia. He has a niche market, very sharp man, extremely brilliant man. Um, but, you know, I remember him more than once, uh, Howard Brenton from Star Power would interview him, and he said, Alan, who would be the first person you would hire? And he always said the same thing, my bookkeeper, my accountant. That would be my first hire. And back then, I really, you know, you're not making any money. You go, well, well I'm not making any money. Why do I need a bookkeeper? You know, you, that's when you get your system set up, you know. And, you know, I've had the privilege or not the privilege, whatever you want to look at, to have the IRS fight. And if you've been in this business long enough, you're going to get audited. And I've been audited a couple of times, and I'm a little hard-headed. So, you know, we've had multi-years where we've gone head-to-head with them. And uh, the first time was a nightmare, but the second time we were ready for them. We had our system set up, and, you know, our accountants were set up, and, you know, we were good. But it's, um, you know, having that bookkeeper meet with them weekly, um, have a budget, know where you are. Uh, if you're brand new to the business, you know, you're going to spend more out of your gross on marketing than you are if you are been in the business like I have for a period of time because you're just going to have more past clients, more sphere of influence. Who are remember, you're going to contact you. But, you know, you need to know what your numbers are and, you know, at all times. And uh, because when th- this is a market that can change, you know, real estate is not a battleship like an aircraft carrier where it takes forever to turn around. You know, if you get one company, a major employer in a small market leaves, guess what? Your market just changed real quick overnight. And uh, you need to be able to move with that. Well, Mike, how many homes have you sold in your entire career? It's over 2,500. If you count team, if you do the team and everything, it's over 3,000. Myself personally, and Mel and I was trying to figure this out here about three months ago. You know, we we believe it's right around the 2,500 mark. I know for a fact it's over 2,300, but it's the pre-RMLS is good back to the fourth quarter of 94. And then from that is a previous MLS that we have no records. We have to go through the old MLS books. And uh, we're actually got somebody doing that for us. I've got a, a temp that who's doing some numbers for me, going back and tracking some stuff. But you can safely say 2,300 plus and be, be correct. Mike, you said that you're in Florence, Kentucky, and you started to tell us a little bit about where that is. Sounds like it's northern Kentucky and just south of Cincinnati, but also sounds like you might be in a rural area. Could you kind of describe your area to us? Is it urban or suburban or rural? And also, what is the population there? Okay. Um, I'm probably the only agent that really works the market area um, there. I mean, there are other agents who work some of the markets I do, but I cover about a 65-mile radius. 
uh, area. From the Ohio River is the Mason-Dixon line. And when you come into Covington, Kentucky, from that bridge, which is the Brent Spence Bridge, from that bridge, I go down to Carroll and Owen counties. And that's about a 65-mile one, one way. Um, I'm from that area. I'm from Gallatin County, Warsaw. Um, that's the rural area, extremely rural uh, 80% of the population works in a farm-type community. Um, I um, also work urban, and I also work the suburbs. Uh, Boone County is where the airport is, uh, extremely suburbs. Almost, you know, 67% of the county is suburbs. Uh, the planning and zoning has set aside 33% of the county in order to be built in suburbs, and it's a, more of a rural setting. But, you know, Boone County itself uh, in 1990 was 40,000 people in um, 2000. It was around 96,000. Right now, it's about 125,000. Um, most people think of Northern Kentucky as three counties. It's actually seven. Um, but when you take the top three counties, it's about 400,000 people. Um, and it's urban and suburban for the most part. Uh, Boone, Kent, and Campbell all have a little bit of a rural area, but not much. You get below that, you got your Grant, Gallatin, and Owen, which are your farms area. Uh, so, you know, I, I, have, I always carry an extra set of clothes in the car because um, I'm, I don't wear suit and tie, but I will wear a nice slacks and a long sleeve shirt, business shirt. That's the kind of work I'm in today. And there's a rest area south of Florence, five miles south. and Numerous times I pulled off the side of it, uh, take my clothes into the uh, restroom and change into jeans and a flannel. Uh, when I go into Gallatin or Owen or Carroll, I'm in jeans. Uh, I don't go walk, I don't pull into that county in dress slacks. Uh, you need to dress like them, you need to talk like them. Um, I've gotten many farms and I've listed and things like that because I am one of them. Um, you know, when you're in the urban area and you're dealing with a P&G exec, Procter & Gamble executive who's transferring out, you need to be dressed like he or she does. So, you know, it's um, I keep an extra set of clothes in the car just whatever which way I'm going. And I kind of like that. It kind of keeps me uh, on sharp on our toes. Um, we have three major builders here. Um, Drees and Fisher are building in like eight or ten other cities, but they're headquartered here. Uh, Arley House Builders is another builder here. And those three builders have probably built in the last 20, 25 years, 75% of the homes here. And um, they're track builders. Um, so, you know, it's kind of nice to, you know, once you get to know the floor plans and you pull into a subdivision, you know, whether it's a Madison or, or a Mason floor plan or a Hampton one, two, or three, and, you know, you can, um, it's like a phone call came in one day and it was, I was interviewing against two other agents and the guy called in and I said, he said, I live in Hempstead. And I said, really? And I said, uh, do you know what floor plan you have? And he said, no, sir, I don't. I said, is your garage on the right or the left? He said, it's on the right. I said, side entry, correct? He goes, yes, sir. I said, um, is, do you have a two-story great room? He goes, yes. I said, on the left side of the great room, do you have a study and a living room? He goes, yes, studies in the back, living room's in front. I said, on the right's the dining room, then the kitchen's off to the side. He goes, yeah. I said, is the master over top of the living room and the study? He goes, actually, it is. I said, you've got a Madison floor plan. And uh, he goes, how do you know that? I said, well, I just, you know, I know the plans and things like that. And he says, you know, that's good. He said, I'll cancel the other two appointments. By knowing the market and by knowing the floor plans, you know, it's like when I get brand new agents who come to work for me, the first thing they do is they go out to the builders and they get a three-ring binder and they get their floor plans. 
because, you know, the builder will have, like, Drees has got, like, 27, 28 plans, but they got five or six that they built 75% of the time. And, you know, you get to know those plans, like a Drees Glasgow. I think it's been built over a 1,000 times inside the greater Cincinnati market in over a 20-year period. There's different variations of it, but the plan, the main plan is still the main plan. And, you know, once you kind of get to know that is, and when you're working with a buyer, especially an out-of-town buyer, you walk up, now this is going to be a Dries Glasgow. What we want to pay attention to is the breakfast there in the back, because if they didn't do the bay window in the back, all of a sudden, guess what? That dining area is going to be short. And you walk in, and and the house is exactly like you said, and it doesn't have that bay window. Oh, I see exactly what you're talking about. You know, this is too short a distance right here. The bay would have really been nice on this. Well, guess what? all of a sudden they got confidence in you know what you're talking about. That's knowing your inventory. It, it is. It's knowing your inventory and knowing your product. It's, as I tell new agents when I get into business, if you've ever been in a really nice dress shop, a lady goes into a really nice dress shop and she walks in and, um, you know, that person who has got the, who's working in the shop is sizing you up. I walked in a really nice suit shop the other day and I've lost, already 60 pounds in the last 60, 75 days. And the guy goes in, you're what, uh, 50 long, 52 long? I said, 50 right now. But I said, you know, you know, we're looking to get down a little bit. I explained what the surgery I had and everything. But he knew exactly coming in, knew where I was. He walked me straight over to, to the wall where the 50 to 52 longs were. And guess what? You know, that's just knowing the product. And then all of a sudden, guess what? He's not fumbling around. But, oh, this is a 42. Let me see. Where's a 48? Where's the 50s at? He walked me straight to that wall. I've got confidence in him now. And um, that, that is, for a newer agent, that is when you're working with a client, especially on the listing side, um, by knowing the product, knowing the uh, inventory. Is your market short on inventory right now? Is it long on inventory? Um, it's you know there, and it's very easy to do. Your MLS gives you those numbers. It's just looking it up. And Mike, give us some of those numbers in your market now. What's your your average price? Average days on the market? Are the prices trending up, down, or flat? In um, 2012, we were about 145 as an average sales price, and um, in 2013, it went to 154. Um, 2013, we closed right at um, 5880, I think it was, in number of single-family condo and farms, which actually is the third best year ever. 2005 was 6200, 2006 was um, 6000, and then last year was like 5880. Um, right now, this year, we're right on track. We got uh, our January, excuse me, our January and February this year was extremely cold and snowy. So we were behind the eight ball starting out first quarter. We caught up in June. Our August closings this year are a little bit slower than last year's. Uh, so we're about 100 homes short. Uh, but I feel comfortable in saying that we're going to close 5,900 this year, uh, which will make it the third best year. Our average sales price is down a little bit. We're running around that 149, 150 uh, number right now. And... Um, you know, it, what's amazing to me, and this I never have figured this one out, our days on the market are always long here. Uh, our best days on the market in back in 2005 was still 90 days average. Uh, right now, we're averaging around 110 to 115 days um, on the market. And, um, you know, it's, our average sales price right now is running 149, 150. 
and you know that's that's the average, and I'm comfortable with that. I, I, I like that type of market. 2005, it was 180. Um, you start things were getting overpriced, um, you know, and it's. Um, I actually had an office of about uh, 2,700 square feet. I had the builder in with me and everything, and um, I actually closed that office. I was, I was with the same company. I was uh, office outside of the main corporate office. And I closed that office in mid 2006. I could I could feel it coming. I, it's, you know, I'm not a negative person. I'm a positive person, but I'm very realistic. And I was like, we've had one hell of a run here, and you know, this thing's going to change at some point. And then our marketplace got hit really hard with Delta. Uh, Delta filed bankruptcy, and then they merged in with uh, Northwest. And um, you know, we. Um, we lost our hub here, which means we lost about 10,000 jobs. And then you put the downturn in, into that. Um, our market got rocked. Um, and throw into that a divorce that you wouldn't expect. And it, it, um, seven, eight, and nine were not happy years. Let's put it that way. Well, Mike, do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? Yeah, there's actually a couple of different niches I've got there. I live in a townhome, 26 out of the last 28 years I've lived in a townhome. I've sold more condos and townhomes than anybody else in northern Kentucky. Um, when you go to sell a townhome or a condo, it's not the same marketing plan. And if you're using the same marketing plan for 100% of all your properties, that's a big mistake. Uh, when you sell a condo or a townhome, is number one, you got to know what the difference is, okay, between a condo and a townhome. In different markets, it's different things, and different products are called different things in different markets. I'm only going to talk about my market here. Condo means somebody's above you or below you. A townhome means there's nobody above you or below you in my market. In other markets, it means other things, but here that's how we, what we say. You're selling a lifestyle. Like in the townhome market, like especially where I live, you don't see people outside that much. They hit that garage door, they pull in, or they walk through the garage, and they go inside and they stay inside. They're not outside people, um, you know, from that. More of the condos, more of the apartment style where there's one entrance and there's doors off the hallways. You know, you're seeing a lot more younger people. Um, that is a lifestyle. You're selling a lifestyle when you do that. When you're selling a single family, you're selling more than a lifestyle uh, from there. So, you know, that's one niche I've got. Uh, second is uh, land and farms. Um, I've been uh, estate-type settings. Uh, I was on three appointments this past week, and all three are uh, one of them is a four or 5,000-square-foot uh, home with 200 acres, you know. And um, we were talking about how we might break that up. Instead of making it a million plus, we know we might have one listing be a million two, but one listing might be seven hundred to fifty thousand with you know X amount of acreage and stuff uh, from there. Um, and then also I have what is called my bread and butter. My bread and butter is the suburbs, uh, the suburbs in Boone County. Uh, I believe that's the best place to live in Northern Kentucky, personally, and uh, that's where I live myself. And uh, you know I focus in on about twelve neighborhoods. You know there's. 40 neighborhoods in Boone County, but there's 12 that I like. Um, with my health issues, and, and in the past, I've been a 50-50 agent, 50% uh, buyer, 50% uh, listing. 
Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and things like that and with the health issues. Um, next year, my plan is to make it more of a 75 to 80% listing. Um, and uh, I've been very successful in years past of double dipping where I have both buyer and seller. Um, and um, But it is... Um, I'm really focusing strongly, more strongly on the listing side. Uh, with the new team that I'm building up here, uh, the people, I'm giving them every lead. Uh, the only leads they don't get is on buyers if it's a past client or not, past client or if it's a spirit influence referral. And I've actually gave a few of those out to them uh, from there. So, you know, I'm, we're uh, trying to take my knowledge. We're trying to work smarter. Um, and, um, you know, it's... Um, I got a good group right now. They listen. We, we do two to three hours training with them on Monday mornings. And, uh, you know, our goal is to get all four, four, four of the five, get them up to 36 units a year. Um, two of them will be close this year. The other two, hopefully we can get them up there next year to that. And uh, if I've got four people doing 30 units plus, you know, that's 120 units. And I do my 50 units off my past clients and spear. You know, we do around 200 units. Uh, I'm happy with that. You tell me, uh, and make sure I got this right, but my understanding is last year, the majority of your business came from uh, repeat and referral from your past clients and sphere of influence. And, and I think I added it up. It's somewhere, was there somewhere around 80%. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's about right. Um, I would say probably around the 75, probably really close. The, the repeat and referral, um, People know me, know I'm not going to pester you. Um, you know, I'm not going to be calling you every week and, and things like that. Um, I try to do follow-up with the spirit of influence um, that I'll be in touch with them like once a quarter. It's usually more bumping into them than calling them, but I will call. Um, it's um, the one thing I've learned over 28 years, and I've used this system since 1989. And I, I was in a seminar somewhere, and I heard some numbers, and I started putting some things down. And I have a daily sheet, and actually, I just want—I just created a new daily sheet. And if you want a copy, Mike, I'll be more than welcome to give you a copy of it. Um, I'll go back to, and um, I've learned this, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll walk through these numbers, and then I'll spell out what each one is. Um, if you make 40 contacts a day, five days a week. That's going to be 200 contacts. So you've got 40 contacts a day, five days a week. That's going to be 200 contacts inside a week. If you work 48 weeks, you take off one week per quarter, that's 9,600 contacts. If you close 1% of that, that's 96 units. Okay. Now I'll go back over that again for the people who are writing this down. That's 40 contacts a day, five days a week. That's 200 total contacts inside a week. You work 48 weeks, that's 9,600 contacts. You close 1%, that's 96 units. Okay? Now, people say, well, what's, what's a contact? Okay? Well, I firmly believe you need to call five sphere of influence a day. You need to either call or bump into, see them somewhere, but five sphere of influence a day. When you're doing that five sphere of influence a day, you need to be updating your database at that time, you know, from there. You need to make sure you got the correct email. You need to make sure, you know, what's going on in the life. There is what's called F-O-R-D, 
at Ford Method, and it's family, occupation, recreation, and dream. You can ask anybody. The first question out of my mind when I bump into somebody is, hey, how's family doing? Guess what? They always answer it. They always. I've never had nobody not answer that. And, you know, it's just right there. And I think, so how are things at work? I mean, I was down in Warsaw yesterday um, doing some business down there, and I bumped into the two attorneys I know. And I, one of them was a uh, year behind me in school, and the other one was about five years behind me in school. I said, hey, how's families doing, guys? You know, they ended up in a 10-minute conversation just talking about the families. And, there, and I said, how's business? You know, that's occupation. How's there? Recreation, you know, it's like the one of them, I know one of his kids is in the football team. I said, hey, how's the how are we going with football? I saw, saw where they lost the one last week to Ludlow, and he was, we're talking about that. Most realtors have a problem with the D word, the D letter inside Ford, which is dreams, you know. And I just I always tell people, I says, you know, once you find out what their favorite vacation spot is or just ask them, hey, have you guys gone on vacation this year? Where did you get to go? You know, from that, I've got one guy, he, he, he laughs. I mean, he starts smiling every time he sees that because I'm going to ask him. Did you have me take her to Hawaii yet? And he goes, man, I hate seeing you because you remind me all this. You remind her all the time about the Hawaii trip. <laughs> and, but, you know, I was talking to him. I said, so where's your dream trip to go to? She goes, I want to go to Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of become a joke now, but it's just, you know, there. But it's just, it's an easy way because once people know that you're in real estate, they will bring it up. You don't have to bring it up. They will bring it up to you. And then, you know, it is, um, your answer is critical. You know, um, oh, Tom Hopkins, uh, yeah, it was Tom Hopkins. He was the first speaker I ever heard. And um, he kept on saying, I remember him teaching different things, but there was one thing that really stuck with me. He said, somebody's going to ask you about how real estate's doing, and you always answer it this way, Unbelievable. Because it could be unbelievable good or it could be unbelievable bad, but it's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> and, you know, and it's not bad. You know, it's just you know, one of the things I do, being a numbers person, I just say, you know what, market's good. We're back to normal. And people go, we are? We're back to normal? I said, yeah. Now, you have to understand, 98 through 2006 was not normal. That was a spike, like the stock market. Remember how the uh, dot-com, you know, we had that spike back in the stock market? And they go, yeah. I said, well, that's what real estate was back then. It was a spike from 98 to 2006. We're back to a normal northern Kentucky market. And guess what? You know what? They go, you know what? I can see that. And they'll, they'll shake their head like that. Um, but, you know, on the 40 contacts, five sphere of influence, five past clients, um, you should build up your listing inventory. Every agent should get their listing inventory up to 15 to 20 people, 15 to 20 listings. So I know you're going to contact five sellers. You should be contacting five buyers. Um, you should contact five expireds. Um, you're going to have five in there that are going to be um, vendor calls, you know, the, whether it's a termite inspector or a home inspector or something like that. And then you're going to have write five thank you notes. And then the other five, it could be got quite a few different things that you could do there. Um, Mike, I'll, what I'll do is I'll give you three or four sheets. Um, I have an 11 by 17 sheet when I was doing my doing it this way here, and um, it's all spelled out there. Uh, your goals need to be on top of that page where you see every day. Um, the new agents, um, they're not going to do 40 contacts. 
And what I have done with that is I've broken them down the same formula, but we break it down to 20. 20 con- this is what my team does. I mean, 20 contacts a day, five days a week. That's 100 per week. 48 weeks, that's 4,800. You close 1%, that's 48 units. Now, whatever your average check is, if your average check is 2000 that's $96,000. If your average check is 5000 you know, that's $240,000, you know, from, the, from whatever. 20 contacts, and if you're going to do 20 contacts, like with my group, is it has to be five sphere of influence. They write five thank you notes a day, and I'm, I am a drill sergeant on that. That, that word thank you is the most critical two words in the lang- human language. You need to write five handwritten five thank you notes a day, and you send it to the home. Because when they go open the mail, they got all this junk mail, or they got all these every door direct postcards and everything in there, and there's a handwritten note, trust me, they are going to open it up first right there. Uh, but you've got five sphere of influence, and you've got five uh, thank you notes there. Uh, it should be five buyers in there. Depending on the agent, um, I, my agents are team agents. They're not buyer agents, which means they can also list. Okay, uh, Five expired, five, you know, get five listing prospects there. Um, in an ideal world, I want my group to do 28 contacts a day. Uh, there will be 8 to 10 by email by buyers. We do a lot of internet business. Um, you know, from that standpoint, Ray last year, um, out of he was from Long Island, New York, so he was not from here. Out of his um, 39 closings, 34 of them were internet leads. And you know, it's um, it is uh, it is it is a part of our business. We're still doing that. We buy um, about thousand dollars worth each of Zillow and Trulia. Um, I don't do Realtor.com. Realtor.com in our marketplace is not strong at all. Um, you know, and what I found about Realtor.com is if your local MLS has a public website, Realtor.com is not strong. But if your local MLS does not have a public website, then Realtor.com is strong. I've kind of done the research trying to figure out why it works in some markets and some markets it doesn't. But the ones I have found where it does not do well is usually there is a local MLS. Uh, that has a public website from there. But, you know, having these daily numbers that you make and you fill the sheet out the night before you come to work, so when you walk in, you are productive right away. You're not trying to figure out who to contact. Um, You know, top producer, in my opinion, is the best actual CRM out there. Is it perfect? By no means is it. Um, it, but, you know, it is, um, for what is out there on the market, it is good. You need to have a CRM. If you if you take a, a CRM, if you use a contact manager right, it's a personal assistant in itself. So when you open up your day, you open up your uh, hop online, it tells you what you need to do. And, um, you know, Mike, I think you would agree with me on this. We make this business too damn hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, it, it's about getting belly to belly and eye to eye with people, and um, you know, and it's um, it's just it's, it's just an easy business. It's just we just make it too hard. Let's dig a little deeper into your past client and sphere of influence, the database itself. Do you recall how many people are in your database? How many past clients and sphere of influence do you have in that database? 
This summer, um, I hired a college girl 40 hours a week uh, for the entire summer to rebuild our database. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was I put too much stuff into it. At one time, we were 19,000 people inside a database. It was way too much, way too much. Um, right now, my sphere of influence is about 1,500. Uh, the past clients we've got in there right now is roughly around 2,000. Um, I do a lot of relocation, so a lot of my clients have moved away. And um, another mistake I've made is I quit direct mailing like I used to. We have, um, with the new team and everything, we have stepped back up where we're doing the sphere of influence and the direct mail um, together, uh, sphere of influence and past clients into direct mail. Uh, for my team members, uh, when you start the real estate business, you need to create a database and you need to have a minimum of 200 people in it. That was a requirement to join my team is you got to have 200 people and uh, into it, into a database with name, addresses, and emails. And we set them up on a one-piece uh, direct mail postcard each month. And then there's a newsletter that goes out uh, electronically. Um, that's one of the things there. Um, our past clients and our sphere of influence, we do not mail in the past that much to them. I'm going to pick up on it a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, you know, they would get four to six pieces max in the last 10 years from me. Um, I, I, I worked on a lot of, I'm very visible in the community in different ways. And, um, you know, one of the things that we uh, are focusing on, we used to do a lot of client events and um, on our past clients and spirit. And we got away from that. We were doing one a quarter for probably 10 years. And when the market turned, you know, you kind of start cutting everything. I went through a divorce uh, that I didn't wasn't expecting. And, um, you know, the, I'll be quite honest. I, I told you before that we went on today, you know, uh, that rocked my boat. Uh, I got married late in life. I was only married a couple years. And um, uh, it rocked my boat. I was mentally not in the business for three years. Uh, Melanie was my rock. She was... Uh, my right hand, she was running the business. And um, if she had not, I'd be honest, I wouldn't have a business today, um, you know, from there. Uh, but, you know, we're getting back. We're, we're getting belly to belly, eye to eye. Uh, we've always done our Santa Claus events. This will be our 25th year of doing it. Um, we do the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, we have invite all our spear and past clients and bring their kids and grandkids and get pictures taken. And we have a professional Santa come in, and uh, he comes in, and we have a professional photographer comes in, and we shoot pictures with uh, the child and Santa there, and then we turn around and get the parents. We push them in there, and they'll go, oh, no, 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 I'm not dressed for this. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. And then we'll send those pictures out to them. And um, trust me, that it's about a $4,000 to $5,000 cost event. Uh, the way we do it, uh, it brings in 40 a year, easy. Um, you know, it, and it, it's a ton of fun. Um, this past year, usually we average about 200 to 225 kids. Um, two weeks before this last year's uh, event, uh, our Santa, which 
we had used for 20 years, 23 years straight at a stroke. And, uh, and we started looking for a Santa real quick, and um, I actually found one up in Lexington, Kentucky, who was University of Kentucky Santa. And he came down, and he did a tremendous job. And I'm not exactly sure why, but we had 352 kids come through in six hours. We kept it. We stayed open an extra hour. And because uh, I'm right there with the kids, you know, uh, the kids, when they're from about, oh, one and a half, two years old to four, 50% of them love Santa and 50% of them are scared to death of him. And so I'm there trying try to, you know, get the kid to smile for the photographer there where he can get a good picture and, you know, the parents are behind you and we're all making these little funny faces and everything. But that would be a good picture of the self, seeing the parents and myself trying to <laughs> get the kids there. But, uh, you know, it's um, – but those type of events, um, you know um, – Sport, any type of little sporting event, um, being a former jock, I mean, I kind of are planning for 2015. I've been wanting to do this for a few years, and I've just decided to go ahead this year. I'm doing it. I'm having a uh, old softball alumni event in August next year. And, you know, um, the invitation going to be out to about 15 or 20 teams, and it's just basically we're going to have a diamond there if anybody wants to get out and play. And it's a, it's a endless game, and we'll have the beer and the hot dogs and burgers on the grill and stuff. And it's more just, hey, just showing up, seeing who's there, how you doing, you know, because most of us haven't played against each other in 20 years. But, you know, it's like the only place we meet now is uh, funerals. I mean, I had two good friends who I played softball with passed away this year, and, you know, the, the, the room out there was 80% softball players, you know, coming to pay respects to a former player, and we're just talking about each other. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to put this together. I will get business off from it, but that's not the reason I'm doing it. Uh, I'm putting it together where we can just get everybody together. And, uh, you know, but it will it will generate business for us and, and, and from that nature. But, you know, again, it gets back to that servant mentality. You know, if you take care of people, you know, you're going to have business. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Well, Mike, you brought up. Well, kind of a sensitive topic, and, and if you don't want to talk about it, we don't need to. But I am, I am curious because there's probably a lot of people who end up in the situation and, and could maybe use a little bit of advice. How did you bounce back from the, the divorce? You've mentioned it a couple times. It definitely rocked your world. Uh, how did you bounce back from that and get back in the saddle? Uh, it. It definitely rocked my boat. I got married at 45. Um, well, I've been single all my life, and um, a couple couple ways I I did that. Number one is uh, through my faith uh, in uh, Jesus Christ and God uh, and Mother Mary. I'm a Catholic. I'm a converted Catholic, and I really relied on my faith. Um, that was that was a huge huge part. Uh, Pat Zaby is a extremely close personal friend, and I, I could say Pat Zaby and G. Dunstan are my best friends, those two gentlemen right there. And, um, you know, having several conversations with him, I went on a three or four 
retreats. Um, that's where I started going on a uh, three-day silent retreat, and I do one every year since then. It's uh, it's very very strong. Um, you know, Melanie sits down with me. She says, "You do what you need to do. I'll take care of the office." And you know, I'm I'm still here. I mean, like I got out of the operation. I had the operation on Monday morning. Got out of the hospital Wednesday night. I was in here Thursday at eight thirty. That's just the way I was brought up. You work. You know, you come into work. Uh, but um, you know, it's um, I took a couple trips there where I just drive to get out and start thinking a little bit. Um, you know, it's. Um, when it comes to you, know, it's a surprise, and um, you know, and I think later in life, you know, always wanting to be married, always wanting to have a family, um, and then losing that um, was uh, was tough. There is no doubt about it. Um, my Dan Jones, who was my best one of my best friends, and he was my best man at my wedding, and um, he called me up one night, said, "Hey, let's go out and have a couple beers," and uh, we're talking, we're sitting there kind of talking about it a little bit, and um, he said, may I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, um, would you do anything differently? I go, what do you mean? Would you do anything differently? I thought about it for a second, and I said, no, I wouldn't. He said, then get over it. And you know what? That was probably the best words anybody ever told me. Then get over it. And deal with it and get over it. And, you know, it. I was at that stage where I needed to hear that, uh, I mean, we, um, um, I always believe if you're going to get engaged and if you're going to get married, do it in a place where you can go back and uh, visit. Uh, I got engaged on the west side of the Golden Gate Bridge and got married in Central Park. Uh, being a converted Catholic, I didn't know you had to be married in a church first. So that Thursday night before we left to go to New York, we got married in this church, and then we got married up in um, Central Park uh, there with her family and a few of my friends had flown up for it. Um, but um, you really learn about yourself. Between the burns, when I was in a burn unit, I really learned a lot about myself. You, you, um, When you're laying there for 24 hours a day, for 57 days, and a burn you, it's not the best place to be laying around. It, 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 you hear screams all day long. But, you know, um, you start thinking about life and you start thinking about why, you know, why this happened. And, and no divorce is one person's fault. There's always two people at fault. But it is, um, and then it, it, I guess the biggest thing for me that relates to today is, okay, why am I selling real estate? Why am I doing this? And um, I'm a lot more conservative than what I did. Uh, we built too damn big a house. God, we built a huge, we built, you know, you always had a dream of building a big mansion on the hill. Well, that's what we did. We built a 4,800 square foot home and um, closed on it. And um, six months later, when we started a divorce process, the uh, market turned. I lost 100K on that one. On just on the sales price alone, and, um, and selling it, but um, you start asking yourself why, and then to this day, I will still ask if I'm going to do something, why? What's what's the meaning for it? And you know, from there, um, I grew up extremely poor. Didn't know I was poor until my senior year in high school, 
we grew up on a farm, so, you know, we had plenty of food on the table. We had a two-acre garden. You know, we killed three or four hogs, and we killed three or four cattle each year for myself and my mom and dad and two brothers and their families. So we always had fresh meat. So, you know, and you had clothes on your back. You really didn't know that you were poor until, you know, you, until later in life and things there. Um, but it is, I've been very, very blessed. Real estate has gave me a tremendous life. I've been able to travel to different conventions. I've been able to speak different places. And I would never got to do this if I wasn't, wasn't in real estate. That's why I said when I got burned, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me um, because I have been able to do different things in my life. You know, I would not have been stuck at working at a power plant and no disrespect to the people who work there and things, but, you know, I, I have lived a very good life. Um, you just have to pick up the pieces. Um, I remember... Uh, two different priests who were close to me and said that, you know, my time will heal. It doesn't feel like it now, but time will heal. And it does. Uh, it does. Um, it's kind of funny at my 10 year anniversary of being married coming up this next, this next month, nine twenty five, And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it still stings, um, you know, from there, but it's something you just have to work through. And, um, you know, I've been in, I'm also a person who has, who fights depression. Um, and it is, um, that is a wicked monster. Uh, it is a very wicked monster. And you, you have to stay positive. The one thing I've learned, Mike, and um, this is a little bit getting off of real estate, but the one thing I have really learned is as long as I'm learning, as long as I'm in the learning mode, depression doesn't get to me. But once I get out of that learning mode, that monster comes around. And uh, when that monster comes around, it can get a grip, get a grip on you real quick. And uh, that's why I constantly try to stay in a learning mode. Um, it makes me a happier person. Um, I'm a person who likes to share. And, you know, I could probably do 40, 50 units more a year if I just focused on my business and not helping other people. I do some coaching. I'm a CRS instructor, so I'll teach six, eight classes a year around the country. But, you know, it's just I just like to share. That's just who I am. But it is, um, you know, if you're going through that divorce, and unfortunately it happens today to a lot of people, um, it will always happen probably. Um, you know, um, whatever your faith is, focus in on that. But also... Um, you need to uh, talk to people. Find somebody you can talk with. Um, and, um, you know, somebody's got two ears. Two ears, one mouth. That means they listen. I want to ask you a few more questions about your team. You did a great job earlier of outlining the people in your team. Let me run through that real quick and make sure I had it right. It sounds like you've got one operations manager, been with you a long time. Uh, you have a, a virtual assistant who's handling your internet marketing. I think you have a courier as well. You have five uh, team agents. You're building up that the agent side there, and you call them team agents. And then you have yourself as the team leader. Did I get the structure of the team correct? Yeah, there's one other person, too. We added a young lady out of college named Samantha, and um, she is a personal assistant to Melody and me. Um, she works for both of us. And um, any of my pre-listing 
things, get my paperwork ready to go out on the listing or something like that. She helps me with. She'll help Melanie with on um, different um, projects we have her working on from there. So she's a personal assistant to both me and Melanie. Uh, but yeah, Melanie handles all the closings and she's operations manager. Uh, Mel also oversees the listings. Uh, she's not involved in it that much, but she oversees it. Um, Samantha will uh, start the listing process. Uh, Jill will, once everything is uploaded to the cloud, uh, Jill will be the one who will enter it into the multiple listing service. And then she is also one who will launch the uh, syndication on all the internet. Um, she, once the listing goes through the MLS, it gets syndicated out. Um, she goes on to, we have um, six sites that we, first day, we go check and make sure that the data was pulled was right. You'd be amazed how often uh, Zill or Trillia will mix up listings. Um, she makes sure uh, we put a minimum of 25 pictures out. Uh, we learned this trick, I forget what conference it was, but like if you put 25 pictures or more into the MLS, um, your, your rankings on Realtor.com, the house will be ranked higher. Why, I don't know, but the number's 25. Um, you know, we will tr always try to do 25 to 30 pictures plus. Um, if we have a very small house and so you got a 1,200-square-foot ranch, it just, there's not enough pictures. Then you do pictures of the neighborhood or pictures of the shopping area that's around, you know, points of interest, library, parks, you know, schools, things like that. Um, but, yeah, there's Melanie. Then it goes uh, Jill. Samantha's an assistant to – actually, I could say she's an assistant to Jill, too, to Jill, Mel, and me. Uh, then you have the five agents. And then Larry is a non-licensed courier. He does one day a week. He's been on vacation here. He's a retired postmaster. He's been on vacation quite a bit this summer, but he works for us one day a week putting signs up, directional signs up. Uh, any of our vacant homes he walks through weekly, just making sure everything is a-okay. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, I have a lender who is a, an office lender that we use um, not for 100% of things, but for a good amount. She comes in every uh, Monday morning and gives us a lowdown on what the market is and then also does a little 15, 20-minute training with the uh, team agents about financing, you know, from there. The one thing that's going to happen, Mike, um, we've been on about – since 1998, we've been on an under five market. I mean, there was a little bit where rates were mid fives, but for the most part, the last five, the last six years, we've been under five percent. Um, that's going to change. Um, I thought it was going to change this year, but I, I'm positive it's going to change next year. And uh, you're going to get a um, there's going to be a blowback. Uh, you're going to have a consumer who's been used to a three to four interest rate, and all of a sudden it's five and a half or six percent, um, you're going to need to know how to do a buy-down. You're going to need to know how to do financing. And, um, you know, I would advise everybody to, uh, if you don't know what those are, to get with mortgage people and find out what the new rules are, because they're all brand new rules on those. They're not the same rules they used to be. But uh, I hope I answered your question on the team. Mike, that's great advice and great advice on learning the financing. I agree that I believe interest rates are going back up. And, and so that's a really good point. Back on the team, you use the term team agent rather than buyer agent. Why did you do that? Um, we did buyer agents for the first two or three years. And, 
you just you, you couldn't keep them. We couldn't keep uh, keep them here. And uh, as soon as they you know they sell two three years, they would um, sell you know houses, and then in two or three years the um, buyer who bought is now wanting to become a seller, and they can't work with them. Well, number one, the buyer agent gets upset. Number two, the client is upset because they can't work with the person who sold them the home. And uh, number three, I just personally didn't like that type of thinking. Um, You know, that's kind of hurt me in the past. My thinking is a little bit more how to protect the agent. I guess them protecting me some, but and and Sam Miller is a very dear friend of mine, and we have this discussion every week. But it is I'm you know I'm staying with the team agent. They can list and sell. Um, if they're we market to their sphere, if their sphere of influence wants to list something, they should be able to list it. If they have a past client that they are dealing with, they should be able to list it. Now their focus is a hundred percent on buyers. But at the same time, if they have the ability to get a listing, I want them to get that listing. And uh, I call them team agents. And, um, you know, it's um, it's gone over very well. Um, I've had two uh, long-term team agents with me. And uh, the only reason they're not with the team right now is they got transferred out. You know, a member of the family got transferred out, and they, that was the only reason they moved. So, but it's... Um, uh, and I'm going to keep it that way. I'm comfortable with that. And um, it's, um, you know, and it's, uh, I think it's a reward for them, too. I think it's a novel approach. And I like the, the term you came up with, team agent. I think that's the first time I've heard it, and I really like it. How do you compensate your team agents? The way we start off, I'm on a 90-10 split. Uh, I'm with a conventional company, and I'm on a 90-10 split, and then I have fees for my office space and things like that. I pay for 100% of everything. Um, The uh, first 24 units that they close are 45-45-10. It's basically a 50-50 split, Um, and it's 45-45-10. On the 25th closing, they go up 5%, and I go down 5%. So it goes 50, 40, 10. That 10 always stays the same. Um, they can actually get it up to, let's see, 50, 55. They can get it up to 65%. Um, I think that's 48-plus units. I think it's what it is. Every 12 units, I go up 5% for them. Um, so from there, uh, we really focus into them that, you know, we want 24 units closed a year from them. And once they close the 25th unit, they don't go backwards the next year. They start off at 25 pay scale as long as they close 25 plus. If they close less than 25, then they go back to the, you know, the 45, 45, 10. So the next year, once they have closed um, 25 units, they'll start off at 50%. And I'll be 40, and the company will be 10 uh, from there. And, um, you know, that's the way we set it up. I'm comfortable with that. I mean, it's uh, I'm trying to build loyalty long-term. I'm not wanting to retrain and retrain and retrain people. Uh, we're at four right now. Well, we're at five. Art, Art Reed is, um, I said he was 72. He probably shoot me with that. I think he's 69. But Art is a, um, 
he's a real estate trainer himself, and he's kind of got himself back into sales. Um, you know, Art's probably not going to do 30 units, but Art will probably do 15, 20 units, and he'll probably teach 40, 50 days a year. And, and he's comfortable doing that and, and from there. But I've got the four that I want to get 30-plus, and we're actually recruiting for two more positions, you know, two more team agents. And, um, you know, I like to keep it around that six. And if you got six or 30 and, you know, I'm doing 50 units, um, I'm able to back off a little bit. I'm able to do a little bit more training with them. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll put me two plus, 200 plus, and I'm comfortable with that. Mike, to clarify, do you own the company? Huff Realty is about 600 agents. We are a Berkshire Hathaway company. Uh, Mr. Warren Buffett is um, our owner. We are part of Home Services. Home Services, I think, is 25 companies right now. I own Mike Parker Real Estate LLC. I am an LLC, and uh, you know that. And it's uh, as I tell people, I'm a company with inside a company. And so the 10% in that compensation that went to the office, that's not going to you as the office. That's going to the, the broker. Yes, that's going to Huff Realty and Home Services. Great. I just want to clarify that. Mike, are you profitable? Yes, I am profitable. Um, we got um, 08 was bloody. Uh, I lost 110000 in 08. Um, Last year, um, we had a lot of debt from the year before. We paid off a lot of debt. Um, getting in a brand new team, and I have done a lot of focus and a lot of t- training and getting them up to date. We're not this year going to be as profitable as we want to be. Um, I think we've grossed 300000 plus this year. Um, I was looking at a P&L the other day, and I probably had spent $40,000 more than I was planning on on different things. Uh, but we close our 60 units. I'll be, I'll be, I want to say satisfied, but I'll be okay where the P&L is this year. Um, the profitability when you have a team like this is when you're able to keep people um, for a long period of time. And when you're able to keep those uh, team agents or buyer agents, however you want, three, four, five years, um, you're not having to spend as much money on training. Um, you know, I um, do a lot of the training myself, but I also bring, you know, I use David Knox's online training system. You know, that's two and a quarter a month I'm, you know, I'm spending there uh, for those people. Um, you know, we're all, we their top producer. I pay for their top producer. I'm paying for a lot of different things to get them up and running as quick as I can, as possibly as quick as I can to 30 units. Um, and, um, you know, we are really um, bumping up the direct mail, and we're also bumping up our print marketing. And uh, to do that is give them as many leads as possible to come in. Um, you know, it's uh, real estate is lead generation nowadays. You know, we used not to be that way. It always was to a certain extent. But nowadays, you know, if it was just strictly me and Mel, I'd be around this business a whole completely different. But when I've got people like I've got now, I have got to be able to um, create leads for them. So you've got to be able to spend some money. Um, But I will be somewhat satisfied with this year's P&L. 
um, the next three years should be extremely good. Do you know your either expected, anticipated, or past net profit margins as a percentage of the revenue? I do know what those are. And here, here's where the problem is. is you know what the best, Mike, do you know what the best thing about real estate is? What's that? There's so many different ways to do it. <laughs> you know what the worst thing about real estate is? What's that? There's so many different ways to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, it is, um, when you get down and people start talking about profits, well, what, what do you, what, how, what's the write-off? You know, we're in a business where you can write a boatload of stuff off. I mean, a boatload. And the two times I got in trouble with the IRS was over, was over write-offs. And uh, I'm very aggressive on it. And, um, you know, it is, um, so when somebody's putting out what their net profit is versus the net, other person's net profit, you know, it's really hard to, to compare because you don't know how the write-offs are going and what's what's what. Um, you know, my goal is after taxes and everything like that, if I can get it between 35 and 40%, I think that's a good number. Um, you know, it is, um, I have always been heavy in staff, uh, compared to other companies, uh, to other agents, um, two differences. Um, you know, it's, uh, I probably get taken out once or twice a month to lunch or breakfast. Somebody's thinking about getting into business and they want to pick your brain. And the first question always out of the mouth is, if you had one thing to do over, what would you do? And I always answer it the same way. I said, I move. And they go, what do you mean? I would move where the average check to me would be 10000 And it would be sunny. It would be sunny and warm. And they go, I don't understand. I said, well, when your average check to you is $4,000, it's really tough to do any major marketing. You've got to do a boatload of business to make money. Now, when your average check to you is 10000 plus, you know what? It opens some doors. And, um, you know, Sam Miller and I, we talk all the time. You know, when, you, when you're when you in the average sales price of under 150 guess what? you got to do a lot of business to make any kind of money. I mean, a lot of business. And you've got to spend a lot of money to make it. So, you know, from there. But... You know, I believe if you can keep your profit margin in that 35 to 40% after taxes and everything, you're going to make a good living. But again, it's like I share numbers with four or five other people, and none of us do it alike. Not one of, one of the five do we ever do anything alike in how we write stuff off and how we do stuff. You know, somebody else has got a CPA who believes in this, and another bookkeeper believes in this, and, you know, it's, it, it would be nice, though, if there was one certain way to do it, but it, it, it's, a, it's a wild card question and answer. Well, Mike, what drives you? And, you know, in the past, comp- uh, competitive, uh, when I first got into the business, being a former jock, uh, being competitive, um, I went to the NAR. I joined REMAX in 91, and... Um, their uh, Hall of Fame was, you know, you had to have a million dollars in, in uh, gross commissions. 
and my goal was to um, to uh, do that in four years. And uh, I did it in three years and 51 weeks and uh, make a commissions <laughs> right there. I mean, I was very, very proud of that gold at the time. Um, since the divorce, back before the divorce, numbers really meant something to me. Awards won really meant something to me. Um, for uh, nine years straight, I've been with the company since 99, for nine years straight, I was their top agent, and there were six awards, and I would take usually five out of six top awards. Um, the last three years, I begged them to take me out of the awards. I said, please take me out of the awards. And I begged so much, I just stopped going to the awards banquets. And I said, I'm not going to go up on stage anymore. And they said, why? And I said, well, number one, nobody sells my listings after for three months after Luther's there because it's all, you know, it's, they already know who's going to be the top agent and everything. I said, second thing, share the, share those awards out to the other agents. And I remember Gerald Trees getting the award after the first year out, and he turned around and looked at me as he's walking up, like, what's going on here? And I said, Gerald, congratulations. I said, I'm out of the awards. And what they did was they called it Lifetime Achievement Award, and, you know, I was recognized uh, as a Every year I'm recognized as being somebody who won five years straight, whatever, you know, these awards. But um, since the divorce, that's been a hard question for me. And I ask it myself probably every month, what's my focus? Last year, um, in the third and fourth quarter, my focus on uh, making business was for a lifelong trip. And that was for me to go to the Vatican and to go to Rome. And I spent, I took 17 days, and I spent 10 days in Rome, and then I spent another five days or seven days down in um, Texas at Pat Zadie's home uh, for New Year's. And, uh, you know, that Vatican trip for me was a lifelong dream trip over there. And um, I will be going back to there. That Sistine Chapel, if you've never seen it, um, I paid the God. And uh, we, the Vatican opens at 9 a.m. Well, you can hire a God, and a God will cost you anywhere from two to $400, American dollars. And um, at 7.35, we walked in the Sistine Chapel, and there was myself, the God, and two other people. And we just sat there for 30 minutes. And it's just something unbelievable. Now I went back the following Saturday where I paid, you know, the standard tour for a tourist to go through and there's five hundred people in there and you're like a cattle car. I mean, it was just you just didn't get the feeling that you had when you were in there, there was only four people in there. But um for me nowadays, um it is about uh trips, why I'm doing this business, the money I'm making the business. I've got business, I've got money made up for my retirement and things like that. Um, you know, I've, I still have bills to pay and things like that, everybody else, but I've got most things paid off. And um, you know, nowadays is um, how can I improve my staff and my team every day? Um, you know, and this, this is a question I posed out on a, a social media site the other day for real estate agents. You know, what is the responsibility of a real estate company to its agent? You know, and my opinion is how can they improve that agent every day? 
And that's the way I look on myself is how can I improve my staff? How can I improve my team agents? And how can I improve myself every day? What little thing can we learn that we can take forward that we can use not just in business but in life also? Um, you know, and it's like one of my lifetime bucket lists I'm doing next year. Uh, I just couldn't make the dates work this year, but I've already set aside for next year as one of the Tony Robbins um, three-day events. And, um, you know, what can you do to improve yourself? And, um, you know, that's one of the ways I fight that depression monster. But it is also, um, you know, I think as you're constantly learning and improving yourself, you're also um, improving yourself in business too. And, uh, you know, from there. Because, you know, let's face it, I don't have, I was born late in life. Mom was 42, dad was 49 when I was born. So 95% of my family's dead. I don't have to put kids through school, you know, things like that. So I don't have the standard expenses that some other people might have. Um, I give a lot of money away to different charities and things like that. But at the same time is how can I improve? And, um, you know, I do a one-day conference a year. We did one this year in July, and we're going to do a a two-day conference next year. And that conference is all about one thing. How can we improve who comes there? It's not them to sell them something or anything like that. It's all about how can we improve those people, not just in business but in life. And if you've done that, you know, in my personal opinion, you've done that person a favor. Well, Mike, why have you been so successful? I think for three or four reasons. I think, number one, elbow grease, willing to work. Uh, I grew up on a dairy farm. So a dairy farm, you know, you're up milking cows at 5 in the morning and 5 in the afternoon. Um, but, you know, the second thing is persistence. Um, I believe the Greek word for realtor is problem solver. Every big on transaction has got problems. And nowadays, they got more problems than ever. But it's just, you know, you, you, hit, you get a problem, you take a step back, and you don't hit that brick wall again, you walk around it. You, you know, you find out what, there's a solution to everything. And, you know, you just got to find a solution. And that's by asking questions, uh, listening to people. Um, but, you know, I think also, too, people... Um, genuine feel two things with me number one I care I care what happens to them they're just not a number you know they're not number 67 transaction or a number 21 transaction they I truly care for them and number two they know that I got a passion for the business you know and you know I, I, I think outside the box and I think that's one of my strongest strengths is when I see a problem I'm thinking outside the box how can we fix it you know, how can we how can we take care of this? Um, you know, most of our real estate agents. That's one of the reasons I'm so successful inside the um, rural areas. Is you know they, they figure they just there's only one way to market. Well, there's many different ways to market a property, and you just you know you have to just think outside the box sometimes. Well, Mike, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? First thing would be database. Um, you need to sit down with a pen and paper and uh, with a drink, coffee, tea, milk, something stronger, 
and start thinking of people. And, you know, after a period of time, you're going to start running out of people. Um, and it's um, what I tell people is, you know, think of somebody that you know. And let's just say it is um, Dan Jones. Okay, who do you know that knows Dan Jones that knows you? Okay, well, then that's the next person. And you draw a line down to that, and then you draw another line down to that. And you got to get your database up to 200 people. And as I tell people, you know, 200 plus 200 is how many people? And they always say it's 400. And I said, no, it's not. It's 4,000. Because you are, when you market to those 200 people, you are also marketing to the people they know. Okay? And, you know, those 200 people. If you've got a brand new agent, I tell them, um, out of those 200 people, mark down which 50 will give you business or give you a referral now. Go through those 200 people and mark down which 50 people will give you business now or give you a referral. And what you're going to do is on those 50, you're going to contact them every month. You're going to see them in person or you're going to talk to them on the phone, one of the two. The 150, you're going to contact those people every quarter by person or on by the phone. like that. And you're going to ask for the business. You're going to ask for referrals. Those 50, you want to get one referral minimum a year out of them. So let's just say that you are um, you get 50 referrals out of the 50 people. Half of them are bad. Okay, let's take 25 away. So we got 25 good referrals. Well, if we got 25 good referrals, they're all not going to close, but 80% of them should, which will be 20 referrals. So 20 of them will close. What's your average check to you? If your average sales price is 150,000 and you're on a 50/50 split, the average check to you is going to be about 2250. So you know you're going to make if you take 2250 um, times those 20 there, you're going to make about 45,000 dollars right there strictly off those referrals. That's a good start. That's a good foundation to build. And you know it's just you know starting that way. Real estate is a numbers game. Um, that 20 times 5, that's 100 per week, 48 weeks, that's 48 weeks. If you contact people and you stay proactive, you'll be successful in this business. But if you sit back and wait on the business to come to you, you're going to be like 9 out of every 10 that gets out of the business. You've got to be proactive in this business. And um, by doing those numbers like that, those 20 contacts like that is two and a half hours a day. That's all it is. I mean, you can make it on actually, you can make it an hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes if you're right focused. But it's just, I'll give them, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. 20 contacts, two and a half hours. And, uh, you know, that, that leaves you four to five hours to go out and make presentations and, or show property to buyers or sellers. Mike, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Oh, extremely. Extremely. I mean, I'm glad you're doing these because when Howard Star Power shut down, we, we, we lost something. I mean, it's um, I still got um, the old cassettes. I got a cassette player I put in the car from the old Star Power cassettes and played back. You know, there's really only two differences between 1996 and now. Selling real estate. There's only two things different. Only two. What would you think? What would you think they'd be? I'm not sure. What are those two things? Okay, those two things would be this: 
FHA went from 3% to 3.5% down payment, okay? And the second thing is technology. Technology has improved. But you know what? Technology always improves. We have the Internet now. We didn't have it in 96. It was just starting. It was a babe. And, yes, it is a major thing. But you know what? You still got to be belly to belly. You still got to get eye to eye. Yes, there are people will see, you know, in our area, once out of 5,000 transactions, somebody will buy something without ever seeing it. But for the most part, most people are going to see the property. You're going to show the property to them and things like that. You still need to know what scripts and dialogues are. And, you know, from that standpoint. So, you know, um, Marsha Redder used to have the SPACs he sent out uh, back in the early 90s. And I tell you what, the information on that is still valuable. Uh, what you do, I listen to everyone. I know you had Leslie McDonald on here not too long ago. You know, you, you pick up one or two things. I mean, the day you think you know it all in this business is the day you're out of business. And, you know, you, you've got to, um, and um, Howard used to say this, when a student is ready to learn, a teacher will appear. And there's numerous times top producers have heard a different idea at a conference somewhere or heard it from someplace else, but it just didn't click. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Oh, this clicked. You know, this, this makes sense. And, um, you know, it is, um, these are, they're invaluable because when somebody is ready to learn on whatever it is, whether it's marketing or whether it is, you know, team building, um, you know, whatever that is, it is uh, there, and, there's, and, then, and like I said before, it was kind of a joke when I said it, but it's so true. One, you know, the best thing about real estate, there's so many different ways to do it, but one of the worst things, there is so many different ways to do this business, and you can get off track and get down a beaten road, and it's the wrong road. Um, you know, if your successful top producers, they're usually inside a mastermind group where they are meeting once a year or uh, twice a year or they are talking on the phone, you know, once a quarter or something with another group of top agents. And uh, they're sharing ideas, but, you know, they're, they're, they're spin. I, I was lucky enough to be one of Howard Britton's Star Power Stars and got interviewed. And uh, I said, Howard, you know what I love about your conference? He goes, what? I said, I love the bar. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, Howard, after the conference, after the day was over, eight or ten of us would get together in the bar and we would carve out a little section, create a circle, and we're from eight or ten different parts of the United States, and we would just talk about different ideas. And I said, you know, that is so strong. And what's happened nowadays is, you know, we've done that. I mean, for example, we kind of created our own little group last year and it all happened real sudden, but we met in February in Vegas, and we called the I Amigos. Uh, there's Dave Brenton out of Indianapolis, Sam Miller out of Mount Vernon, Ohio, Wayne Turner out of New Orleans. There's myself. There's Rob Zimmer out of Palm Springs and Rob Levy out of Portland. And we met in Vegas for 36 hours. And out of those 36 hours, 24 of them, 25 of them, we talked about real estate. We had a we uh, got a really large suite. Sam and I did, and and uh, we just um, we talked all all about all different parts of real estate. And we ordered lunch in there, and and just and we just chewed. And it's just you know how do you do business? What, what do you do this? And I mean, there was three or four major things that came out of that 
that affected each one of our business positive. And, you know, and that's, that's, that, that's the power of a group getting together. I would challenge people out there to do it now. Uh, when I teach a CRS course, I, I tell them, I said, you need to get three or four people here. If you're like from Louisville, I taught in Louisville here about four weeks ago. Me and G. Johnston did. And it's like, okay, Louisville, you know, you got east, west, north, south. You know, the, the, the west is New Albany, Indiana. I said, you know, they get the east end, the west end, and, and, and the south part. I said, you know, get together and meet every quarter. You know, you learn from each other. And, uh, you know, that's one of the beauties of what you're doing here. Mike, is, is agents are able to learn from each other. And it's positive, and it's like, you know, they can take that back to the group and share. So, you know, thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you, Mike. Well, Mike, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Keep track of your numbers. When I say keep track of your numbers, not just your personal numbers. Watch what your market's doing. Um, you know, different parts of the country are going to react in different ways. Um, you know, I, I um, get up usually somewhere between 5 and 6 in the morning, and there's a TV show on MSNBC called Squat Box. And I really pay attention to that. Um, it's, a, it's a stock market show and everything like that. But it's, I get a lot of research out of there. When Walmart and the dollar store and them are doing bad, that means my FHA loans are probably not going to be that good right there because that means the persons who are buying the first house are not going to have that kind of money. Uh, when the luxury products uh, are doing extremely good, that means the luxury housing most likely is going to be very good. Um, you know, pay attention to what's going on because, um, you know, the stock market's been very good. Uh, at some point, there's going to be a correction. Uh, when that correction happens, that's probably when our interest rates are going to jump up. And I truly believe when rates hit six, and I think that's going to happen sooner than later, when that market hits six, we're going to see a six-month where it's going to, the sales are going to slow for six months because it's going to take the buyer a little while to get used to that number. you got to understand, we've got almost a whole generation who has never seen 6 or 7%. And, um, you know, that's, um, and you're just starting to get the millenniums are starting to come in and buy real estate right now. The millenniums is a larger group than the boomers. And, um, you know, you're going to need to know how to sell. You're going to need to know how to sell financing and set it up. Just don't turn that buyer over to the lender right there. And you need to be more knowledgeable about that. Uh, we work a great profession. You know, I am a high school student. I've got about 60 hours of college. You know, I, I feel like I've got good street smarts and I've got good common sense. But, you know, I'm not highly educated but I make a good living. I make a damn good living. And I've lived a great life because of real estate. And I'm very proud of it. And, you know, a lot of agents out there can do the same thing. You just got to be able to have a little elbow grease, put it into it, um, and, um, and and learn. Constantly you look, be out learning, and then whatever you learn, share. So, and, Mike, it's truly been a pleasure being on. I appreciate you asking me to do this. This is truly an honor. Well, Mike, I appreciate you sharing your life journey with us. You showed us why the real estate business is really simple. Just get belly to belly with people who want to buy and sell homes and then help them. You revealed how you get three quarters of your production 
by repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence. On a personal note, you described the simple method for beating the depression monster by staying curious and in learning mode. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who has been an agent for four decades and sold over 8,500 homes. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.